It's true, isn't it? This is the house I told you about. When you were 13, you climbed over the wall for a dare. That's your surprise, isn't it? Bringing me back here. Remind me what it was that you sensed when you entered this deserted house. An aura of intense evil? Don't you have things you hate? I can't stand burnt toast. I loathe bus stations, terrible places, full of lost luggage and lost souls. I told you I never wanted to come back here again. And then there's unrequited love and tyranny and cruelty. Too right. We all have a universe of our own terrors to face. I face mine on my own terms. But don't you want to know what happened here? No! You've learned something you didn't recognize when you were 13. Like what? The nature of the horror that you sensed here. back to Who and Company. I'm Drew. And I'm Brent. This is episode 42. Thanks in part to Lana's Alan Seiler, our guest this month is none other than Ace herself, Sophie Aldred. Sophie took the time to join us for this special hour to discuss her career, the future of virtual conventions, her love of Doctor Who and its fandom, and her new novel, At Childhood's End. Then we chat about Sophie's pick of the month, the biggest hit on the Netflix, Stranger Things. We discuss why it's one of our favorites, what a UK version of 80s nostalgia might look like, and which characters from the show hit closest to home. And that's all coming up in just a moment. First, there's something special I wanted to play you. For Father's Day, my boys gave me the coolest Father's Day gift ever. It's a personal message from a certain doctor. Brent! Hello! Congratulations on Father's Day. I've been asked to congratulate you by... Caleb and Adrian, and they say that you are a huge fan of Doctor Who since the 70s, and you own every episode of Doctor Who that's ever been created. Wow, how wonderful. And you've got a podcast called Doctor Who, Who and Company. Oh, and you had Ace, Sophie, on as a guest. Isn't she lovely? Anyway, I want to wish you again, Happy Father's Day. What more can I say? I wish you... All that you wish for yourself, and I wish you unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. It's very nice with strawberry jam. Who are you? She demanded. It's me, Ace. Different body, but the same brilliant brain and much better hair. You're the professor? Dorothy could barely bring herself to believe it. No way! Come on! Regeneration! You remember? When a Time Lord's body gets old or damaged, yada yada. Dorothy could feel the rational part of her brain dismissing what she was hearing, and yet there was something so familiar about the woman in front of her. She could feel her eyes beginning to blur with angry tears. Prove it. If you're the professor, prove it. All right. You support Charlton Athletic because your favourite uncle lived in Plumstead. 
You love motorbikes, although I never let you ride one. You taught yourself to speak proper because you wanted to sound like a Blue Peter presenter. You can't see a Dalek without feeling a twitch in your baseball bat hand. You learn to love jazz, and you think being tall is overrated. Oh, and you hate clowns. She sounds pretty awesome, said the boy, smiling, while the girl and the older man swapped baffled looks. She is. The doctor's grin grew wider. It's good to see you again, Ace. It's our 42nd episode, and to celebrate this, we have a very special guest this month. She's an actress, an author, a director, and a children's television presenter. But listeners will know her best as Doctor Who's Dorothy McShane, a.k.a. Ace. Sophie Aldred, welcome to Who and Company. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be here. I just want to say before we get started, uh, what a treat it is to have you here. Uh, when we created this podcast, we had a short list of people we really wanted to talk to, and you were at the top of the list, so thank you very much for being here. Oh, flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> Good. Uh, and the fact that you you could be available for our 42nd episode, a number that means so very much to me, uh, means something else. And before we begin, I just wanted to say this. I... Uh, you know how Facebook gives you a memory uh, yeah. when you sign on? My memory today from June 20th, 2012 is the final words Sylvester said to you at the end of Survival because no, uh, eight, eight years ago today, I finished the Doctor Who pilgrimage. I'm a, I came to Doctor Who as a, a fairly new fan. And I hadn't watched the classic series. I started in January of 2012. I finished June 20th of 2012. Wow. So the wow. fact that knowing that this interview was happening today, turning on my computer and seeing that memory, uh, I knew we were in for a good time. I'm very excited. Uh, for the last four months, we have been starting our podcast the same way, which is checking in because clearly uh, this is 2020. It's June we're still in lockdown worldwide. Some people are observing it more responsibly than others. But I just want to check in with everybody and see how everyone's doing. Sophie, how are you doing with this lockdown? Mm, I am extremely fortunate to be locked down with my wonderful husband and my two amazing uh, children. Uh, well, I say children. They're kind of young men now. My, el my oldest is 20. Uh, he, we had to rescue him from university uh, at the beginning of the lockdown because he was really quite ill and we think it was actually COVID now. Um, and he had a sort of high temperature and a cough for several days, couldn't get out of bed. And then I had this a sort of slight thing. But that was a long time ago now. And my youngest, who turned 17 at the end of May in lockdown, uh, they, they it, it's just actually been a treat for us to spend time with them and uh we do we're we're playing lots of board games and um and doing stuff together and apart you know we're very very fortunate that we live uh outside london we're we're kind of we've got the countryside on our doorstep so uh we we re we recognize just how fortunate we are compared to a lot of people in this lockdown so actually there's not been that much impact on us except my um boys haven't been able to do their um one of them i don't know whether you have the equivalent but when you're but when you're about 16 in um in the uk you do these exams called gcses which sort of 
pass you on to the next stage of your education. And of course, the exams couldn't happen. So there's been a big sort of uh, thing about that. And then my oldest, he was, had to do his exams at home for his first year of university. So, you know, there's been sort of things to juggle, but not anything that we haven't been able to cope with really, really quite easily. So, yeah, thanks for asking. And and my heart just goes out to all those people who are locked down, you know, on their own or who've lost people that they love and who have not had such a fortunate time as we have. So I'm I'm well aware of and and very grateful for for what we've got here. Well, it sounds like you get to at least be together, but you're also given that opportunity to be a part if you need to be, which is a very important aspect of of family, which is you you do need your own time. Yes, for sure. Yes, absolutely. I've been gardening today. On my oh, own, which wonderful. Is lovely. Yeah. My wife is giving me some space. She's out in the garden right now, uh, letting me <laughs> letting me take oh, over yeah. the office while I <laughs> have the interview. Uh, Brent, how are you holding up, bud? Uh, everything's going pretty well. Uh, we were finally able to go out with my parents for the first time in about three months. Um, and oh, yeah, that so that was nice. Uh, it was it was nice to hug my parents <laughs> after three months. <laughs> Um, mm. Although yesterday, uh, the 19th, as we record, the city of Raleigh has made wearing a mask mandatory for the ter- for the first time, uh, being really crowded areas. So that's new. Yeah. But uh, thankfully, everybody is healthy on this end. And you mentioned uh, you mentioned school. Uh, I have a niece that was supposed to graduate. Well, she is graduating high school. Uh, so she's a bit disappointed that. Uh, it's not the regular graduation ceremony as yeah. as it normally should be. So, yeah, I do feel I do. My heart goes out to those people. Yeah, my son was going to have his prom and things, and you know, he, anyway, that will that they've got their lives ahead of them. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yes, I do. I do feel for them. I was going to say actually, my younger son has. Um, He's been doing some YouTube videos while he's while we've been in lockdown. So yes, if uh, he's he's done some amazing things, projects, and his latest one is uh, actually custom making face masks. Um, f- and his um, his uh, people are donating, and he's giving the money to um, it's a, a, a Black Lives Matter uh, project. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's found a, a, a great um, charity over here, and the money is all going to them. And yeah, so he's he's been doing some brilliant, very funny and kind of very lovely videos that are on YouTube. So yeah, that's that's been great as well. That's great. Well, we'll try to find those and we'll we'll link them oh, in our yeah, show well, notes. He's, yeah, he's called William Henderson. If you want to find him. Yeah, sounds great. No, that would be uh, one of the things that I I've been trying during the lockdown. All I've all I've done as far as money spending is. Um, supporting artists as much as I can and supporting local businesses. And a lot of the artists have been working on masks, especially those who are either donating them for free to groups or are giving their monies to uh, charities. So I have a wonderful collection of masks, which in years to come, I know I'll, I'll probably put them in a cigar box and forget about them until, you know, the next pandemic. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I do have some lovely ones. I have a couple of Doctor Who ones because so many of the Doctor Who community are very creative, very artistic people. Yeah. 
yeah oh how wonderful that you're supporting all those communities as well because yeah they certainly need need all the help they can get so gosh good for you well done well um just as far as how this has affected so many folks at the end of may you participated in a virtual doctor who convention uh a virtual version of who lanta uh uh, which is entirely online Doctor Who convention with our friend and past guest Alan Seiler. Oh, um, lovely it Alan. was great. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, oh, surely I'll just check in and see how things are going. And I wasn't a hundred percent sure I was going to stay for the entirety of it, but I, I was glued to my seat for about six, seven hours. Really? really? How I, I, you know, I, I hadn't planned on committing the day to it, but they did such a good job and things went so well and the interviews were so engaging and, the way they had it set up, um, you know, after this lockdown, do you think virtual conventions have legs? Do you think this is something that we're going to be seeing more of? And, and is this something that you would take part in again? Mm. Well, I think it's, I do think it's a really, it, it's really interesting, isn't it? How we've adopted new formats and actually you kind of start to think about the impact on the environment of flying guests over the all over the world and things like that i mean much as we absolutely love coming um it's a it's a new possibility for the future um i mean the the only thing i've done a few actually because over here there's a a wonderful very well there's two guys basically and and a lot of great volunteers um it's a company called phantom films and they put on they put on loads of sort of um uh, live events over the years which are very popular um and they did i think they were the first to do a virtual convention very quickly after lockdown happened and they were doing one pretty much every weekend uh and i took part in that and the th- it's funny because of course you only see your little bit or your interview or whatever um so what what i do really miss um I did another thing for, I think it's called Wizard World, uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this last weekend as well with Sylvester. And, of course, what you miss is the personal getting together in the green room with everyone, having a good chat. And, of course, the you know, I do think there's a a real value for for people to actually meet face-to-face. However, I think for, certainly for people who, um, you know, who find it very difficult to get to conventions... I think there is a definite um, market in the future for some sort of uh, online events. As long as, I mean, the, <laughs> the the kind of the whole the cold hard fact is that, of course, we're not charging anything for uh, for our services, which we usually do. So, I mean, it's it's kind of been the the. Of course, we wouldn't do that in a pandemic. But moving forward, it's like a sort of how to. Uh, you would have to monetize it somehow mm. um and uh you know um because i don't think you'd continue to get guests but i certainly think that it's a it's an option it's um it's something and I, and i do enjoy um i enjoy it because i sort of think of all those thousands of people all around the world on on the ends of the zoom or whatever it platform it is and and it's just really moving to think that you know how many people can now have access to a convention that may have not before so that's really something that's great so earlier this year you released your own doctor who novel called at childhood's end so how did that come about and how long had you been working on it 
Ah, yes. Uh, that was just like a complete surprise last year. Um, I got an email basically from Steve Cole, who was one of the, the kind of uh, collaborators on the on the book. And Steve, I've known for many years, he used to um, do all the short trip stuff for BBC Books and really great bloke. And then in, he's a fantastic writer in his own right. He he came up with a series of um, books for children called Dinosaurs in Space and has had some, uh, some uh, became pretty famous for, for writing those. And he emailed me and he said, hey, what do you think? You know, um, Tom Baker did one a year or two ago and now it's your turn. <laughs> and uh, so I was just like, I couldn't believe it. It was amazing. So uh, he and Mike Tucker, who used to be in visual effects um, in on Doctor Who, well, he still is in visual effects, but he used to be on my Doctor Who's and is a great friend. And I, I uh, wrote a, a book with him years ago called Ace, the Inside Story of the End of an Era, which is sort of like a scrapbook of our time on the show, uh, which I, I love doing. Um, uh, yeah, he, we all got together and um, kind of just got very excited about all these ideas for Ace and what what she would be up to now. And we, we'd had some clues, you know, which we, we thought we'd use everything that had been used. So Russell T. Davis's mention of, of uh, Dorothy, who was running a charity called A Charitable Earth. We thought, yeah, we'd definitely put that in. And also I had just film the trailer for the tw season 26 blu-ray so um that was right at the forefront of my mind and um if you haven't watched it it's it's me playing ace or dorothy as she now is who is the ceo of a charitable earth in a kind of penthouse um office suite overlooking the tower of london and tower bridge mm -hmm. um and it, it the, i i so enjoyed filming that and it was just like oh, it was so moving to 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 do that that I wanted to include that that was right there you know everything the emotion and the and the it, I was imagining exactly what it would all look like and everything so in a way it was just like this pool of ideas um and then we went away and we came up with a a short sort of plot line um and then started fleshing it out. And, uh, you know, many, many emails to and fro later, uh, we had a novel. <laughs> <laughs> there is a part in the book that's reflective of that trailer there that you recorded. Yeah, there were lots of other bits that we wanted to put in. Like, I guess the most important part for me um, was the scene where the 13th Doctor meets Ace. Because I knew that every classic fan would be waiting for that moment um and we wrote it a few times actually and I was like mm, no not quite right you know that it's got to be like a really pivotal moment and I wanted I knew that Ace would be not she would be suspicious because of course she'd never experienced the doctor regenerating and I I said to Steve and Mike mm, hang on a minute, does Ace even know about regeneration? Would this be a complete shock? And then good old Mike, because you see, this is why it's great to collaborate with people who are fans of the show. He said, oh, yeah, well, it is mentioned in one of your stories. And I, really? I couldn't remember that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it was lots great to be able to check in with them. And I said, OK, right, well, let's have her test the doctor. 
and so you know i came up with all the stuff about um the blue peter and the you know and the and the 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 things things that only the doctor would know about ace um and i really enjoyed i enjoyed writing that scene it was great uh, were you tempted to write this book in first person as ace <sighs> No, not really, because I think it does limit you. Um, you know, I, I knew that w I, we wanted to have lots of characters and lots of different strands of the story. Um, but yes, it would have been it would have been a very different book, I think. But I was I'm I was quite happy with with third person actually. Yeah, no, I, it's a good good question. And I particularly like how she's called Dorothy by her friends and you as the author at the beginning. But when she teams up with the doctor again, suddenly everyone refers to her as Ace, including you as the author. So that was a very nice touch. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like she's sort of grown up, you know, and she's sort of tried to put that behind her. But actually, it's so much a part of who she really is that actually when she gets that jacket back on and she's with the doctor, it's like, oh, it's a no brainer. <laughs> and you know she never did like the name dorothy either so <laughs> makes sense i mean this is um in many ways like if you look in the overall canon this is a, 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 a whitaker's doctor story um i mean ace is clearly the star of the show because you know you're writing it so how was it returning to that character but I mean, is this the first time that you have been in control in the direction in which Ace is going? Like, you you get to decide what is happening to Ace. This is you writing it versus someone else handing you a script. Yeah, I guess that's true. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, um, yeah. It was it was it was really um, it was really great actually. To uh, but we it's so weird because we were all so in. Um, the collaboration was so great because we were all of the same mind. It sort of was like, again, it just, it was a flow of, yeah, well, she would do this and she would do that. I mean, I, I was so grateful to Chris Chibnall and the, and the Doctor Who people that Ace was allowed to have so much of the story because this is ostensibly a 13th Doctor book. Um, and, you know, so it, it was, it was a real, um, it was amazing that, I mean, the doctor doesn't turn up till quite far into the book, really, when you think about it. Um, so, yeah, it was a privilege to be able to do that. Speaking of the doctor, I, I, I really felt that you, you captured Whitaker's doctor. I think you captured the fam really well. So how much of the run had you seen before you started writing? I actually have seen quite a lot. And also, um, I've done quite a lot of her audio books, or when I say a lot, several of her audio books, because um, they, they seem to think I can do quite a good version of her voice. Absolutely. So, um, so it's actually, you know, that's quite, <laughs> that's quite <laughs> nice. Um, so I kind of do feel like I know the character quite well. Um, I yeah I I love Doctor Who. I mean I'm I wouldn't call myself a fan, but I do definitely I am a Doctor Who watcher and it's it's funny I think most of the companions are. We kind of want to know that it's kind of, you know, that the the ship is sailing on in a in the right direction and uh yeah, it's it's um so yes, I have watched a lot of her stories and I love her Doctor as well. I I think especially in the in the last season 
that um, now that she's bringing the kind of gravitas in a bit more and there's mm. kind of, you know, so much, oh gosh, the the kind of the revelations beginning. Um, I, I think, um, yeah, I think she's terrific. Are you excited about the direction that the show is, has taken in this last season? Yeah, it's it's bizarre, you know, like what is going on? And uh, I mean, the great thing is that anything can happen and it's always been the same and it will please some people and other people will be really cross with it. And plus ça change, you know, it's it's always <laughs> been like that. Um, so I just I, I just hope that kids can follow it because I know the first season that Jodie did was incredibly popular with young, um, particularly young girls. Um, so I, I hope they can follow the, the kind of plot twists and turns. But the thing is, they're, they're going to grow up with this, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm I, and I think it's funny having the one one story story, if you like, you know, that format, because, um, of course, everything has to be concluded by the end of the story. Um, and if you don't like it, oh, well, don't worry, because there'll be another one in a completely different style next week, mm. you know? Sure. Yeah. Mm. Uh, both of us listened to this, uh, the audio version of this book, and you did an incredible job, by the way. Um, oh, thank you. What voice did you find the most challenging? Oh, it's always Sylvester McCoy's. <laughs> really? <laughs> Darn him. Yeah. It's really tricky to do. Well, it's it's tricky to do a guy for a start. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's quite challenging for a, a man to do a woman's voice as well. Um, but Sylvester, I mean, oh, gosh, he's he's got such a strange accent because, of course, he's Scottish, as we all know. But he was brought up by an Irish granny and uh, and he's lived in London for most of his life. <laughs> Um, and he's got these uh, actor tones as well. So, yeah, he's he's very challenging to do. In fact, I don't know if you know in the States, there's um, there's an impressionist show over here, a radio show, which did make it to TV called Dead Ringers. And there's a guy oh, right. on yeah. that show called John, John Culshaw, who's an incredibly talented impressionist. In fact, he does the most fantastic Tom Baker. Yeah. Um, and he, he does it on the show. And... Um, he he's a great friend of Sylvester's, and I and I know him well as well. And he just says he cannot do Sylvester McCoy either. <laughs> so I feel like, phew. Well, if John Colshaw can't do him, then that's all right. <laughs> I will say that when I was listening, not only did I think you did a very excellent Sylvester McCoy, oh. I also it, it struck me listening to it that your version of McCoy seemed very. There was um, what's that? Not sympathetic, but like I could tell he really cared about Ace. So it was, I thought it was interesting that you were doing an impression of someone who was referring to your own character, but there was a genuine concern and care that you could yeah. tell was there in the voice. In 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 the same way that because they have a very tumultuous relationship, and yeah. it's one thing for an actor to do that to another actor, but you were doing it as an actor imitating another actor referring to yourself. Uh, so kudos. <laughs> kudos to oh my god thank you so much i i if i'd thought about that before i did it i think i'd have tied myself up in knots so thank you for seeing that <laughs> well i mean i think everybody i mean like it was really nice because 
uh, I, I am just the biggest fan for the audio medium. I was raised on radio dramas, um, mm. and I really wanted to... I haven't been able to read a book since the lockdown. It just There's just this level of anxiety that has been building over the last three or four months, and I thought, you know what? Um, I bought... Uh, at childhood's end during who lanta in a in a you know kind of a show of support i I actually spent some money on different artists as well it got sent i'm like this is the book that i'm going to read and i started reading it and i found that the anxiety did hadn't left and and it was very difficult and uh, you know i was uh, up until about a week and a half ago a librarian and uh so books are a big thing and so not being able to read them has been very discouraging to me but the audio this is a book that i I, I would definitely direct someone to listen to the audio because you do such an excellent job. And it it always blows me away when one person is doing all the characters because the relationships between those characters are so important. Um, in particular, uh, Ace and Sylvester, but also the 13th Doctor and Yaz. Mm. The, the, there's a scene between the two of them that felt incredibly heartfelt and mm. there was a lot of drama there and i felt yes that tension especially because i think the ass has been underserved by the show um and mm-hmm. so it really felt like there was a, a good connection between the two of them so i have to ask do you ship yaz and the doctor yeah uh, I, I well i i noticed um in the tv in the tv show actually um in the last season, I think there were there were several very lovely moments between the Doctor and Yaz, and I think you know I got the impression from the you know the small moments that Yaz and the Doctor do have in in the current series that the Doctor really looks out for Yaz. You know that mm-hmm. there is a that that the, the re- their relationship there. So it was a kind of a continuation of that really. It was that that sort of uh, inspired the the feeling behind that. Well, it's it's clear, it's clear, and it was really well done. So. Oh, thank you. What? Why are you Venkman? Because I'm Venkman. No, I'm Venkman. Why can't there just be two Venkmans? Because there's only one Venkman in real life. We planned this months ago. I'm Venkman, Dustin Stans, you're Egon, and you're Winston. I specifically didn't agree to Winston. Yes, you did. I don't think he did. No one wants to be Winston, man. What's wrong with Winston? What's wrong with Winston? He joined the team super late. He's not funny, and he's not even a scientist. Yeah, but he's so cool. If he's cool, then you be Winston. I can't. Why not? Because, because you're not black? I didn't say that. You thought it. Guys, guys, guys! Why is no one else wearing costumes? When do people make these decisions? Well, Sophie, whenever we have a guest on the show, we ask them uh, to bring another television show that isn't Doctor Who, because we know that Doctor Who is not the end-all and be-all of their fandom, even mm. if they were, for instance, one of the most pivotal characters ever to be on the show. Um, so our question to you is, what television show did you choose to talk about with us, and why? Right, okay, well, I have chosen Stranger Things. 
Yes. <laughs> and it's actually, um, I mean, I have to put a little sidebar in now because um, uh, I'm also watching now with my husband. We're watching Succession. We're binge watching that mm-hmm. as well, which is also amazing. But Stranger Things was something that I'd heard my son talk about you know and he, and he was on his he was on the phone to his friends at a certain point saying oh have you seen blah, 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 blah. and I thought that Stranger Things was probably like a sort of a teen show you know mm-hmm. a sort of high school musical type thing not that there is anything wrong with high school music right I love high school musical um however um then I don't know why we started watching it we normally don't watch much TV. We don't kind of binge watch box sets or um, so. Hence, we're very late to the Stranger Things party, me and my husband. But um, once we started watching that first episode, it I was just completely hooked. And I think one of the main reasons, and this is no surprise because everybody says this, is the the performances of the kids in that show is outstanding mm-hmm. and i'm i'm a sucker for for kids in movies anyway um i i've always really loved working with children being with children and i just thought that they were all so well written and so extremely well cast as well um yeah and we just got sucked more and more and more in so it was sometimes it was like you know and that awful thing where you know the next next episode starting in 15 14 and you look (laughs) at the clock and you go oh just yeah one more one more (laughs) so yeah that's what we did (laughs) yeah uh we watched each season as it came out and we did try to make it last about a week or so each time, unlike our boys who both watched it in one day each time a season came out. <laughs> uh, yes. But what really appealed to me and hooked me is the fact that it's probably the first time that a show has been about a group of kids that were my age during the time period when it's set. So mm. like, season one actually takes place. It's it's set the day after my 12th birthday, and they're all 12 in the first season, so... Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's really How good. amazing! Yeah, and you see, it's it's a little bit different for us because we're looking at eighties America, which is different to eighties UK. So it's got that sort of um, familiar element with the kind of the colours of the clothes and the uh, the 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 kind of the the. Um, the uh, homages to the movies and the music and all that. But it's also slightly different. And it's really great seeing, you know, seeing like the haircuts and the, oh, okay, so that's what the Americans were up to. And I didn't know anything <laughs> about Dungeons and Dragons in those days, you know. And and, uh, and just seeing the, I mean, gosh, the, the set and the costumes and the props were just so fantastic weren't they oh yeah oh my god so so brilliant really uh took it back well okay so uh if you if they were making stranger things in the uk yeah what would season one of the uk version of stranger Things? because you know we so many great uk shows come over to the states and they sometimes work say like the office sometimes don't work say coupling but if they did UK Stranger Things, what are the sort of things that you would expect to see uh, 
like what kind of homages would you expect to see on that show? Oh, that's a very good question. I think it would be, I think it would be um, definitely the food, uh, the sort of. I'd love to see the kind of the sweets, you know, the candy and the the kind of um, uh, packaging and the and what people are eating because, of course, uh, we don't have the same food as you. So it would be like breakfast cereals, for example, or. Um, uh, we did have chopper bikes, but but they were things like I mean they were like beyond the reach of most people. So you would probably have like one kid on a chopper bike and the others on some kind of old beaten up thing, you know. Um, and uh, I I think there would have been well we'd we'd I don't know where it would have been set I've been thinking about this because of course America is such a huge country um and we're so tiny in comparison uh, that it would have to be set in the countryside of course but I'm yeah I'm I don't quite know where I think it would probably likely to be in a place which is very dear to my heart which is in the 80s was um pretty off the beaten track it's not so much now but it's it's the county of Norfolk, uh, which is which is a kind of if you look at the, uh, if you look at a map of the UK, if you look at where London is and then you go up, it's the kind of big bump that sticks out to the right hand side. Um, and it's a kind of a dead end. It goes into the North Sea and it's quite flat and bleak and um, and very beautiful, huge skies and lots of salt marshes and um and i think that that would probably be the place for it really so it would yeah probably be set there i think are there old um stone structures located in that area where like that could be the the central point or maybe maybe that's that's would be almost the antithesis because small town america nothing weird happens there which is why yes. having having it happen. So, like, maybe if you had it in your Stonehenge, that would make sense, right? So everything seems to happen in your Stonehenge. So if you yeah, did something yes. like... I was just thinking yeah. of the Children of the Stones. Oh, um, yes. In the 80s. I, I, yes, that was so scary, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. In the States, we... I remember we... my, um, uh, yeah, my childhood when I was young watching that, and I couldn't remember what it was. And then just only really a few months ago, I was at work and talking what was that series with the stones and they had faces and they, and I read the books, the book mm-hmm. first, I think. And Oh my goodness. Yeah. That gave me a lot of nightmares, but <laughs> yeah, this would be, I think it would be quite good to have it. Yeah. Maybe it would be good to have it on a sort of old ley lines or something or some, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some kind of standing stones or something like that. Yeah. That would be good. Or some old, um, like those sort of stone age forts. Uh, lumps in the ground you know and then underneath mm. the forts and is the you know is the upside down that would be good oh yeah 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 well you know like in doctor who at the end of season series five with matt smith they had the underhenge right like like there's yeah. something under stonehenge uh, which is sort of which change changes things i mean there's yeah. There's a now that I'm thinking about it, it makes me really want to look at 1980s UK television, especially children's yes. television. Yes, well, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because there were a lot of very good series 
in fact, and books as well. The, I remember what, reading a wonderful um, series of books by a guy called, oh my goodness, I don't know how I remember this, but Peter, Dick, Peter Dickinson, I think, wrote oh, yeah. these books called The Changes. Mm-hmm. And there were things like The Weathermonger and uh, um, and it was meant to be sort of, I think, sort of slightly post-apocalyptic. But I, I was very taken by that. And then there was, of course, the series Survivors, which Big Finish right. have now. And and that's <laughs> that's extremely pertinent for, for right now. Mm-hmm. I remember that was in my teens. That was the first series that I really got hooked on, really, that I, I would make an effort to watch because I loved it. It was uh, I loved Lucy Fleming as well. Oh, she was fantastic. Um and uh, yeah, I, w- I really remember kind of going up to bed, being s- pretty spooked and scared by that series as a teenager. Yeah, we watched Survivors um, for this podcast with we had uh, Andrew Smith on, and uh, that's that's mm-hmm. the show that he chose uh, because he was writing some for Big Finish also. And uh, oh, fab! It's such yeah, a great show. Yeah, so good, yes. so good. Yeah, yeah. The biggest thing about uh, Stranger Things, I think, is is the characters to me. So, is there a character that you relate to the most? Oh gosh, I I I love them all. Um, yeah, there, there's so, when I was watching it with Vince, it was like a different one every moment. You know, I love Eleven though. I love the character of Eleven, and maybe that's I see her as the sort of like the ace in a way of you know of the mm-hmm. series. Um, yeah, I thought she was absolutely brilliant. And Dustin, of course. You know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> who, who can't love him? And I love the relationship that, that developed, um, you know, later on in the series. Oh, just, just wonderful. Brilliant writing. Yeah, it's really nice. And yeah. unexpected too, you know. Yeah, and speaking of Dustin, he was my favorite character because he made me laugh. But um, I think Will was definitely me when I was a kid, no doubt. Oh, yeah, I was the, uh, so well acted. Yeah, I was a sensitive and quiet kid that got picked on a lot, oh, but I was very, very loyal, very nerdy, I guess. Although I never got into the whole Dungeons and Dragons thing. I, I was a music nerd and a movie and television nerd. Mm-hmm. But... Um, and that was that was that was my I saw myself in Will when he was in there. Yes, yes, and of course I saw myself as an adult in Winona Ryder. You know what would you do faced with that and her her strength and her tenacity and her refusal to um, to put up with uh, sort of like you know what uh, what people were saying to her and just her kind of stand for her child was extraordinary. It was so well done. I'm Will now. Um, like, Are you? Uh, watching season three, I think the third episode of season three begins with everybody else concerned about their relationship with girls and oh, Will yeah. just wanting to play Dungeons and Dragons. And that's yeah. me every single day. <laughs> like, oh. could we just could we just play Dungeons and Dragons? Could we just stay in this basement and be friends forever and just yeah. play games? And uh, you know what? Honestly, if that if that because I've been that's the biggest thing that's happened to me since the lockdown is essentially I have access to all these people who have who can't leave their homes and I've been playing role-playing games with you know friends I have I haven't really communicated with in years suddenly it's like do you want to get together and play D&D or or whatever it is we're playing (laughs) I'm I'm playing four to five sessions a week 
uh, <laughs> with different people. So yeah, I'm Will all the way, and oh, uh, and good. I think just because we haven't talked about him yet, Steve Harrington um, has had such a uh, a narrative arc in these three seasons from being kind of like the jerk and sort of yeah. the enemy to being in the second season, very which is very much an aliens, like the movie aliens. He is essentially the Sigourney Weaver where he becomes a mother uh, yeah. to all the kids yeah. and his relationship yeah. with Dustin and the new character, Maya um, really, really has grown. Like, I feel like he's grown more than almost anybody else. You're like, you're co- sort yeah. of focusing on Dustin for the comedy and you're focusing on 11 for the supernatural aspect. But the, for the human aspect, it's very much about um, Steve Harrington's growth as a human being because, and I'm, not going to spoil anything, but like certain revelations of his character and his relationship with other people has been like, wow, he's like, he's become, uh, woke. He's become an ally. Uh, he has yeah. grown as a human being, like from being like a, an eighties male to being, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate everyone's sort of characters, but certain characters have just sort of been thrown by the wayside uh, in the season or become stereotypes, but I feel like his character has really grown. And I, as a writer, I appreciate that narrative growth. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, in a way, the most sort of realistic in a funny way, but, um, and in the last series, certainly a lot of comedy from him, but what a great, what a great, um, actor as well to go from the kind of, the, the kind of eighties, uh, jerk at the beginning in the series one to be able to find that in himself to 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 be really sympathetic by the end and the and and you know when when he does um he bec- the heartbreak that he experiences is like so kind of you feel sorry for him you know you, and you don't you're not quite ready for that in a way and then mm-hmm. oh god he really he really matures. He really mm-hmm. grows up, and he really transforms j- during the course of the three, the three series. Yeah, well, I agree. Of these three seasons, is there one that you like best? Oh, I can't pick. Can't <laughs> pick. And um, yeah, I really, you know, like I, I, I waver. I go, oh well, that was really good. Oh no, no, but that was great. And <laughs> yeah, and and also it's like. Uh, it's such a progression as well. I thought it was very interesting that the the episode which took eleven out of the whole that that because it could it just as there was a danger of it just going oh here we are we're in the same place we're we're gonna you know have another this this is gonna happen all of a sudden oh hang on this is a completely different episode and I thought that was really clever. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying not to give too much away, but right, 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 right. Yeah. But you know what I mean. <laughs> How about you, Brent? Did you have a favorite of the three? That's a tough one, uh, but I would have to say maybe the first one because you didn't know what to expect and everything was new and surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for same me. here. Um, I always find beginnings of every story to be the best part because for me, the best part of writing or the best part of gaming is the creation of the world. And uh, I feel like the first season was the purest sense of what they knew, what they want to do with the show. 
you know, no one knew that this show was going to take off the way it did. I mean, it changed television. It mm. changed. Uh, I mean, like just the sheer number. Like if you look at the sales for Dungeons and Dragons uh, from 2015 to 2016 or whatever it was, like it just skyrocketed. 80s nostalgia came back probably sooner than it was supposed to. Uh, Is that, that show... right? Oh, that's oh yes. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, people wow. people were rediscovering uh, all sorts of stuff. Well, let me ask you this, too. So you're, this is someone, you're, uh, we, we're all people who were alive during the 80s and have an appreciation of where we were in our lives. Was there a homage or a reference to the 1980s that hit home for you the most? Like you were most appreciative of it. Brent, you had mentioned that they were all basically the same age. Was there mm-hmm. something that you saw that you're kind of like, yes that nailed it or yes i totally forgot about it or or yes that is my favorite like was there something that mm. just you felt was the most clever or really just kind of hit home with you i think for me it was the hairstyles oh yeah um i i never i never did 80s hair except for like when i was doing kind of photo shoots for a magazine or something like that so i uh, it, it just really reminded me of the, the kind of late 70s early 80s the um especially the mums in the in the show you know that sort of yes. really big sort of big curls and flip backed hair and and the and well you're talking about steve steve's hair that was fantastic mm-hmm. wasn't it uh and the whole thing about dustin and his hair at the end and yeah i that that was perfect for me it just took me right back to how many cans of hairspray people would get through oh. <laughs> So gross. So bad for the environment. I, I yeah, yeah. I don't know what it was like in the UK, but over here during that time period, uh, it was all about going through the arcade was a big deal. Uh, I rode my bike everywhere, and you just weren't cool unless you showed up at the mall on the weekends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, oh. that was the place to be. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't so much for us, actually. It would be, I guess, what would it have been? It was more like... Um, uh, I guess going to McDonald's, which was like really kind of uh, fancy, you know, wow. And don't forget, we were a bit later than you, I think, with our 80s. And it was a little bit different. So, um, yeah, it was it was it took a little while to transition. And of course, I in the 80s, I was kind of I was at university um, doing being the rebel and doing wearing and doing what people in the 80s didn't do and we also had um i i was very into the sort of indie thing i wasn't into the kind of classic um 80s stuff um you were an so, 80s yeah. hipster i was i was an 80s hipster so funnily enough some of the music i i you know like uh, um joy division and uh and uh, yeah i went to I went to New Order's second ever gig and oh cool oh, what? And, yeah and uh yeah, so it, it, I was wearing, well, at that time, actually, I was wearing 1950s dresses from charity shops. A friend of mine came to visit me and she said, she'll never forget, I was wearing this 1950s dress with my great aunt's fake fur coat down to my ankles and a pair of tatty old trainers. And <laughs> it was like a style all my own, but it so I, I kind of missed out on that kind of bright colors and uh, and the flip-backed hair and stuff, but I recognized it very much. That's so cool. I 
I feel like I'm being like a one note on this, but in the third season, towards the end, they have the fun fair and they show up mm-hmm. and everyone's kind of running around and there's corn dogs. But the music that's playing in the background is the music that begins the old 1980s Dungeons and Dragons animated cartoon. No, really? And it it's this visceral, as soon as I heard it, like, cause it's, it doesn't allude to it, right? Like that's, there's, uh, but the, it's in the background. You only are going to catch it if you know it. And I caught it and I just felt this rush of what it was like to wake up early in the morning and be excited about watching cartoons on television on, on Saturdays. And, uh, yeah, that really hit home for me. I mean, clearly, you know, spending time in the basement playing D and D or riding my bikes everywhere. Cause you know, I, that's, that was me also. I mean, I think that was most kids who grew up in, in a rural area in the 1980s. Bikes. Remember when it was safe? Remember when you were allowed to play outside uh, yeah. without adult supervision? Um, but yeah, but that one was definitely. Oh, that how was amazing. I didn't, I didn't realize that. That was a, that's a brilliant reference to catch. How fantastic. Yeah. And I guess, you know, I was, uh, the 80s for me was all about um, going to university and then starting my career. Um, doing children's uh, theatre and travelling around and doing and then of course Doctor Who at the end of at the end of the eighties. So yeah, I didn't have so many of those childhood references. I guess for me it was more about um, music. I guess mm-hmm. the music of the eighties. Hmm. Music of the eighties. Did you have a favourite? Yeah, I have a. There's an indie band called Aztec Camera. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh! Yeah, wow. Yeah. Mm. And it was so great because when I was doing Doctor Who, there was one day where I was <clears throat> out in the tea bar. No, it wasn't Doctor Who. I was doing a children's TV show, and I was out in the tea bar waiting for the next bit we had to do, and um, I noticed that this iconic show called The Old Grey Whistle Test was on in the next studio, the small <laughs> studio. And um, there was a a woman outside playing with her two kids and I got chatting to her and they were sweet little kids. And uh, and I said, oh, who, you know, who are you here with? And she said, oh, I'm here with my husband. He plays guitar for a band called Aztec Camera. And I was like, oh, my God. And then it turned out they lived about half a mile away from where I lived. So they gave me a lift home in their car. And then I became really good friends with them. It was just, it was amazing. Awesome. It was so amazing. I also, I loved ABC and I loved Heaven 17 and I loved, I loved Wham and I loved Lloyd Cole in the commotions and I loved Fun Boy 3 and I loved, I mean, you name it. I, it was just great. Oh, and everything but the girl and the Smiths and oh yeah. 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 Well, All that. That's great. Well, Sophie, thank you so much for being on. Uh, before we let you go. I have to ask, are there any current projects you're working on that you could tell us about? Ah, well, um, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, I'm actually, I'm very fortunate. I've been able to make a home studio in my um, airing cupboard. I don't know what you call an airing cupboard in, in America, but it's, it's the place where you keep the towels and the sheets. Um, and uh, <clears throat> it's got a lovely dead sound. It's a tiny, tiny little room. I've had to just take a couple of shelves out. And I've been recording audiobooks. Um, so I've done another Jodie 13th Doctor audiobook. And I've done a few a few other books. Um, 
one, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say, but hey, I will. I did two of the, the Dragon Riders of Pern, which are <gasps> classic science fantasy books, um, which was so blooming difficult because they're all called Fenor and Falar and things that are very similar. And I had to work out which voices uh, to do for which. So I, d- I did those. Um, I think that's for Audible. And um, and another amazing book called The Doors of Eden by Adrian Tchaikovsky, uh, who's a wonderful writer. Um, and then I've just got a script through for something else, which I, I can't mention. And there's something else coming up in July, which is very exciting. So, yeah, I'm I'm very lucky that, uh, that yeah, I've got that ahead. This has been a treat. Uh, if uh, where can people find you online if you want to be found? <laughs> oh yes. Oh gosh, I was going to be all professional, have my all my addresses and things, but basically I think I'm I'm on Facebook. I've got a page, a Sophie Aldred page on Facebook, and then I think it's Sophie underscore Aldred on Twitter. Um uh yeah, and I very rarely use Instagram, so it's best to find me on, on Facebook or Twitter. All right. Well Sophie, thank you so much for joining us today oh it's been a real pleasure it's lovely to talk to you and um good luck with the rest of the lockdown and as it as things ease take care everybody stay safe keep washing your hands and all that excellent and thank you for joining us on who and company who and company come for the fandom stay for the company thanks for joining us at who and company Special shout out to Pixel Who for providing our logo. They can be found at facebook.com slash pixelwho. Who and Company can be found on iHeartRadio.com and Spotify. Or you can download the show directly from whoandcompany.libsyn.com. Contact us on Twitter at whoandcompany. Support the show on patreon.com slash whoandcompany. Or email us at whoandcompany at yahoo.com. Thanks, and see you next month. There are worlds out there where the sky's burning, where the seas asleep and the rivers dream. People made of smoke and cities made of song. Somewhere there's danger, somewhere there's injustice, and somewhere else the tea's getting cold. Come on, Ace, we've got work to do.